You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. He's waiting. Classic Star Wars and the collectibles they gave us. From vintage Star Wars to the modern era of the saga. This is Collecting Tracks. Here are your hosts, Richard Hutchinson and Chris Letty. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Collecting Tracks. I'm Richard Hutchinson. And I'm Chris Letty. And we're your hosts for this bonus episode as part of Star Wars Podcast Day. Tips for new collectors. Star Wars Podcast Day. What an awesome idea, Chris. I'm glad we're part of it. Yeah, definitely. I'm psyched to uh, contribute to it in uh, some small degree. So what we decided to look at this episode then is instead of releasing a regular format one which we'll have to get cracking on with soon is to <laughs> to answer some of the questions i think i've seen a lot um from newer collectors in the hobby um and this is just you know what really how, how to start getting into this overwhelming huge wealth of you know knowledge and vast areas of, of star wars collecting so i'm going to go all the way back then chris we'll, we'll come to you first and so mm-hmm. at some point you recognize that collecting alone perhaps isn't as fun as what it is when you were interacting mm-hmm. with others so how did you dip your toe back into the water the way i did it was uh i just started i mean it was really on facebook and it was around 2015 and at that point you know, Facebook was really starting to take over with the groups, you know, switching from the forums to these kind of vintage, modern, various uh, Star Wars focused groups. And boy, it really opened my eyes of what was out there. I thought I knew I was I thought I was a pretty knowledgeable collector. But uh, wow, there was so much more available than I even could imagine. Absolutely. And I'm on the similar vein, but for me, it was the forum. And I I started by purchasing items on eBay. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris, if if I started off collecting now, I don't think I'd actually bother checking to see if weapons were repro or not. And I know a lot of people (laughs) might frown at that. But I think I'm just at the point now where it's such a minefield that I would just be happy with complete figures. Um, And I wouldn't purposely go out and buy repro figures. Of course not. But, you know, if, if I bought... I don't know, an A-wing pilot with a black yeah. blaster, you know, and, and to look at that through, you know, these eyeglasses and, you know, where pe- people are taking pictures in a Zoom. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'd just rather live in ignorant bliss if I had to come back into the hobby right now. I know, I know. I listened to your uh, recent Vintage Rebellion podcast, and it was, it really opened my eyes to that whole idea of, you know, the repro versus vintage you know complete etc um it's funny that you mentioned the a-wing pilot because that's a figure that i have that i don't have a weapon for and i'm looking at the prices for the original vintage black endor blaster that it is supposed to come with and i mean you're talking hundreds of dollars for this little piece of plastic and it's so difficult to understand what is potentially a reproduction with all the technology and everything these repro makers have these days. It's, it's tough. And you need to, if you want to go that route and make sure it's 
you know, original. You've got to go on to these sites like the Imperial Gunnery and really scrutinize this stuff. And you have it's like a deep dive way into the weeds of collecting. And is it really worth it? And, you know, do you just want something to represent, you know, that figure, that part of your collection on the shelf? I mean, these are questions that you have to ask yourself. Am I okay with just having an original Endor blaster that's, you know, the bluish or gray one to instead of the black one? You know, these days, probably. Um, but again, these are types of things that when you're getting into collecting these days, I think it's worth asking yourself. And, you know, is it is it worth the squeeze, so to speak, when it comes to, you know, going full original vintage? Well, I think about eight years ago, I dropped a black blaster down the back oh, of my no. radiator and it slipped mm. through a crack in the floorboard. So if I ever pull those floorboards up, that black <laughs> blaster is yours. It probably cost me about, I don't know, in your money, about $40 when I bought it. So it wasn't the end of the world. But, uh, yeah. you know, I was annoyed. I saw it go down. I thought, ah, oh, that's it. It's gone. But never mind, one day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting uh, the tangent you went down there. So I think this is this is really important in that wherever you decide to go, and I think my gut is in this day and age, if you're comfortable with Facebook, then you have to join some of the vintage Star Wars collecting Facebook groups or even a modern group, if that's your mm-hmm. thing. Some of the Beyond the Toys stuff is absolutely wonderful. Yep. But I think what's important is, and we've seen new people join the hobby in many, many different ways we've seen some that come in that have just lurked and just watched mm-hmm. and observed and started to make purchases and I, I think probably that's how i integrated myself back in and then on the flip side of that we've had people <laughs> come in saying i have got ten thousand dollars to spend what have you got to sell me so what <laughs> what's your tip then knowing that what we know of star wars collectors and, and, and how would you integrate yourself <laughs> well the temptation if you've got the funds to jump in with both feet and go crazy is certainly there because of the vastness of what's available for star wars collectors but i would say to step back take a slower approach the lurking and the researching and starting to make connections with other collectors I, I mean, I think that's the safer approach. You know, it's, it's definitely intimidating getting into this area of collecting, uh, understanding where you want to start, what you want to focus on. I mean, again, these are all questions that you should be asking yourself. You know, what do you particularly like? What draws you in? Uh, is it the figures? Is it vintage? Is it modern? Is it, you know, the toys, uh, like you mentioned, beyond the toys, all the various endless amounts of stuff out there available uh, with anything Star Wars on it. Yeah, these are definitely things that you should, uh, you know, just just ask yourself, you know, what what intrigues me and you know, just get on the Facebook groups, you know, maybe join some of the forums and just start doing your research. 
Hi, this is Steve Grad from Beckett Authentication, and I will tell you what, I approve and I authenticate Fanta tracks, and you should too. Well, I think my tip would be, as is, is you pretty much nailed it there, what am I looking at? Am I looking at vintage yeah. and am I looking to acquire the figures that I had in the past? Mm-hmm. Or perhaps is it comic collecting and, and I'm thinking of going yeah. down that route? You know, the, there's lots and lots of different ways in this. But I think what you've got in the States that we don't have so much in Europe are some absolutely awesome subgroups where states yeah. have set up their own collecting clubs. Mm-hmm. So some of the more active ones, like the Georgia Alliance, for example, I, I must have 500,000 members by now. <laughs> and of those members, only a tiny part of them will collect vintage Star Wars, a part of them will collect modern, all of them will enjoy the movies. But, you know, it's a great way of integrating yourself into things that's in your local area. In, in the States, if I was joining one of these groups, I would certainly be, you know, asking questions in those groups and saying, is anybody mm-hmm. from the... You know, I can't think of any places in Georgia necessarily, but yes, right. is, is anybody from this area? Oh, yes, yeah. you know, Narayan lives down the road. Oh, did you know that there's a, a, a comic book stop down the street? Did you know this mm-hmm. existed? Did you know we've got a meetup at this location? And y- you've got that huge advantage in the States, whereas over in Europe, we don't have that collecting kind of click, if you like, sure. um, which I think is awesome, and it's certainly something that's missing. Over in the UK, we we tend to have more face-to-face events due, just mm-hmm. due to the fact, of course, that we're a smaller country. Completely understandable. The the Facebook groups in uh, in the states, for sure, are I would say the best way to connect with you know local to you collectors. I'm in I'm in several of them. Northeast Star Wars collectors group because i live in new hampshire which is part of new england up in the northeastern part of uh, the united states Um, i'm also in the empire state club i'm not that far away from new york new jersey area but i'm also in the the georgia alliance uh group just because i have so many friends that are a part of it and live in that part of the country all ways to connect you know there's pretty much you know there's california club there's you know, Midwestern clubs, just they're all over the place. And um, certainly I would search out on, on Facebook to find one local to you. And there's nothing wrong with joining some of these other groups too, you know, to, to get to know some of these collectors and, and make the connections. And it never hurts to ask in these groups. Nobody's going to, you know, fault you for being a new collector and asking, you know, quote unquote newbie questions just because we're all fans of this franchise and, and these items and collecting that, you know, pretty much everybody's out to, to help collector out. Absolutely. And then my next tip will be to find two or three reliable sellers in your area. Mm. Yeah, you know, it was Ian Sanderson who we, we both know, uh, you know, <laughs> yep. GW Click, Ian's Display mm-hmm. Accessories. So Ian Sanderson was my go-to guy when I first um, joined the forums and, and he just listed, you know, page after page after page of loose figures and it, and it was awesome. So obviously when you're building up a relationship like Ian and he would be, you know, messaging me saying, I've just got another collection in, are there any figures out you're looking for? And he would put things aside for us and perhaps I, d- I didn't have the funds that week, but the, you know, you'd, you'd hold them for three or four weeks first. And building those connections was awesome because he introduced me to other collectors who introduces other collectors and a spiral mm-hmm. from there. I think, yeah, resources like that, again, making those connections, finding people that, you know, deal with 
getting collections and and are willing to help you out on payments or you know hold the items for for several weeks uh, i think that was a big thing when i got into collecting is is meeting these people you know them being you know trustworthy enough kind enough to help me build my collection and they weren't looking to overcharge you know out the wazoo uh for specific you know rare items because they knew how much they got the collection for and they were willing to help out, uh, you know, a, a collector friend. Um, and it really helped boost my own collection early on to obtain some items that, you know, normally if I was hunting on eBay or, you know, even going to like a big con or a show or something like that, I was going to have to pay significantly more for these items. So certainly, you know, making those connections. I mean, even you've helped me out over in the UK you know, buying something at, you know, an auction like Vectus or something like that. Huge help for me, you know, saving on, you know, uh, shipping costs and, and all that, all that stuff. So, I mean, it's really, it's a great part of it, part of this whole entire hobby collecting journey. Absolutely. So me, me next tip then will be just to make your first gentle purchases. Perhaps you may want to start off with, uh, you know, a, a group of, 10 figures or mm-hmm. a couple of mint on cards and what i would be doing in conjunction with that is using some of the awesome resources that are out there such as the swca.com which is mm-hmm. not bettered at all for anything that's vintage yeah um, and you also mentioned the imperial gunnery uh, yes. the take website which is you know, it's a, it's a pretty excellent resource. It can be overwhelming on that yeah. one, whereas the FWC oh, yeah. is very light and it'll say, mm-hmm. you know, this is the general Medine, these are the cards he's available on, and this is what you can look for, whereas yeah. the Imperial Gun will talk about the 27 different shades of, you know, hair. <laughs> I know, it's, um, it's like one extreme to the other. It absolutely is, but, uh, you know, there's, there's some fantastic you know, articles on the SWC for mm-hmm. you for you just to read, and nobody at all, when they bought these figures, you know, 40-odd 40, 40 years ago, you know, wouldn't knew anything that's on the SWC. This has been built up with 20, 30 sure. years research yeah. and you can have a look at, you know, drawings and, you know, prototypes and all kind of stuff. And just <laughs> by going on there and reading a couple of the lighter articles, you're automatically going to start getting more knowledgeable. And, and I'm aware that there's plenty of great uh, resources for modern figures as well. Yeah, I would, I would highly recommend uh, galacticfigures.com. Chris B uh, has gathered up an incredible website collection of all the modern figures from all the different lines three and three quarter inch black series all just everything you can think of if you're into modern like vintage collection or whatever certainly check out his website and his podcast because you are going to be inundated with so much information uh needed to dive into modern and you know if if you just need something to get you going, check out his site. For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark fathatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. I think the next thing for me is you've got to be, and you put it at the bottom of the notes here, to be patient. I haven't moved much further up because you're yeah. not going to be Duncan Jenkins. You're not going to be no. Gus Lopez. You know, there aren't going to be new collectors turning into those mm-hmm. um, type of collector. Um, so you have to be realistic. 
And I think I was certainly guilty of this way. I hit a mm. point where I'd collected everything that I wanted to loose. And then I started going down the corridor route, which wasn't as interesting to me. And then mm-hmm. I started collecting a ridiculous number of modern figures, which some were interesting, some weren't. Yeah. Um, and then I ran out of space and you know I, I was always going to, I had it in my head that if I had things in boxes then it's wrong um, yeah. but I end up with things in boxes so perhaps next thing I, I, I should have done once I collected my first 10 maybe 20 action figures is I should have thought about display yes I 100% agree this is something if I could go back in time I would most certainly put it at the top of my list of what to do and and how to approach you know collecting star wars be patient understand what your short-term and long-term goals are if you have space available to display understand how you're going to display it do you already have like display cabinets or shelf like all that stuff factors in um, because you know all that stuff is going to cost extra money too how you're going to display and having that knowledge and how much area you have to work with, I think puts things in perspective and kind of grounds you as to what's uh, realistic collecting wise. Because when I had a full basement filled with totes with all kinds of Star Wars stuff, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to display all this stuff. Why do I, why do I have it? Vintage, modern, whatever it may be. So I've been working on paring down my collection over the last few years to a reasonable size and something that's realistic to the space that I potentially have to display those items. What I should have done, and I didn't do enough of this, Mm -hmm. is I should have looked at other people's displays. Yes. And I did start off by doing that, and everybody was buying detail cabinets, and I thought, right, I've got to get (laughs) detail cabinets to be able to go. For me, and I'm not knocking anybody, for me, the, yeah. the worst thing yeah. I could possibly have owned to display. Can't see things properly. They take up a lot of space. And I ended up selling them very quickly um, because mm-hmm. I just couldn't couldn't display them when I wanted. And a couple of collections stood out for me. And the first one was Bill Cable. And Bill yeah. Cable did this awesome thing where he hand-built shelves and he, you know, recessed them right back and, you know, he had mm-hmm. great lighting on it. And I thought that that's how I wanted my corded run, Ambulus run, the way that Bill Cable displayed his. And then Ron Salvatore's display is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> and I thought, right, I've got space now where I could set up other things using these big cabinets that are custom built. Yeah. Um, oh, when I say custom build, obviously what he's done is he's taken things like Billy bookcases and screwed two together and knocked the backs mm-hmm. through and then put them in the center so you could, you know, have a 360 view. And Absolutely. Little things like that that other people have done. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Bill Cable and Ron Salvatore have both made mistakes in the past where mm-hmm. they've been displaying things and thinking, oh, actually, that's not the best way of doing it. So just learning from others, others' displays was, you know, definitely a top tip for me. Yeah, I I think that is certainly a big part of the equation. Look on the Facebook groups. Um, If you have a chance to go to meetups at people's houses, that was one of the biggest things for me. I went to uh, Rob and Matea's meetup early on getting back into collecting and the display that he has all custom inset shelves and all kinds of 
uh, unique nooks and areas to, you know, emphasize the collection in a limited space, it really opened my eyes as to, you know, what could be done in, um, in a decent sized space, but not huge. And, uh, that's kind of what I'm working with. Um, but yeah, anytime you can get in-person, uh, ideas, I think it really emphasizes, you know, what direction, you know, you might be able to go in with your own collection. Well, you've mentioned their local meetups. So I get asked this fairly frequently. I'm intrigued what your answer would be. Mm -hmm. Would you go to celebration, (laughs) a local Star Wars themed con or toy show or something like that, if you were a newer collector? I think you've got to open yourself up to that. If you want to grow as a collector, if you want to make those connections, um, to go to a con or a local toy show or something, you know, a little bit bigger. Um, I think, I think it's worth it. Uh, you got to put yourself out there. Maybe you don't have any other friends local to you, but maybe, you know, if you don't want to go by yourself, try to grab a family member or, you know, even a friend that's not into pop culture, star Wars, whatever, you know, try to get them to go along with you um, or bring the family, whatever it might be, just to get things rolling. Because I, anytime I go to those events, especially if I meet up with people that I know that I don't get to see very often, it really uh, boosts my, you know, love of the hobby. I, I would sum it up as being Star Wars Celebration is about Star Wars, whereas the cons and meetups are about toys and collecting. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go to Celebration and you're only going there purely for toys, certainly from a UK point of view with Celebration London, you're going to be sorely disappointed because <laughs> that may cover 5 10% of it. Um, however, I certainly wouldn't knock Celebration because going to the smaller panels like the collector's stage and mm-hmm. you know, the, those panels, standing in the queue and talking to people in the queue about you know panels and hanging around at the end and talking to the people who've presented and saying, you know, I, f- I found that really fascinating and asking them more questions and, you know, asking them what Facebook groups to join was, it was a wonderful introduction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it presents so many opportunities to connect with other collectors, maybe if, even if it's just in the moment and it's not a long-term connection, uh, it just builds on, you know, that the love of the franchise and what, you know, what it can bring to, to you and, and others. And the, the last thing that we need to look at is, is values and prices. Now, obviously mm. it is a, it is a roller coaster and there is a slight <laughs> downward trend, but it's, it's certainly not anything that we'd see is, is a definite downward trend on prices. But one of the things I find most fascinating is that if a collector buys something for 500 pounds, then three months later, when other things start to appear, it doesn't necessarily mean that the next two, three, four are also going to be £500. The price will go up, the price may go down. So I think you've got to have a good overview of prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, yeah, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of collectors who will buy something for £500 and then list it for sale again because they've made a regret, <laughs> but they want 550 or 600 Yeah, right. And it doesn't work like that. It really, really doesn't. No, no, it does not. I mean, only in like super rare cases, but... I think, yeah, values in the current market today, um, like you said, 
somewhat of a downturn overall, but you know, there's subsections that are still going up in value, others that are going down. And I just say, typically what I, I do is I check eBay sold prices, not asking prices. So that way, and I kind of look at what's been going on over the last couple of months for that particular item. I might go through a Facebook group like deal or no deal to see, you know, what items are, are kind of commanding price wise. But if you, once you kind of get a handle of what things are going for in the areas that you are focused on, I think it gives you that much more confidence to go ahead and, you know, make a purchase because those quick purchases without any research are typically the ones that we uh, regret <laughs> after a short period of time because we might have overpaid and didn't see what else was out there. There might have been a better deal that was even available on eBay. You just didn't didn't search far, you know, deep enough. And uh, so I would certainly do your research, be patient and make sure that those uh, you're, you're paying a fair price, you know, compared to what else is out there. Hi, this is George Mann and you're listening to Fanta Tracks. I would certainly have it in your head from the start. Do you want to purchase things complete or mm-hmm. are you happy with them being incomplete? So just to use an example that I've used on, <laughs> on the other podcast was the Millennium Falcon. And I think if I bought a Falcon, I would be happy with it looking clean and um, stickers nicely applied on the outside. But would I care if it had the training ball hanging from a string <laughs> that's inside the Falcon that costs almost the price of the Falcon again yeah. that I can never, ever see when I'm displaying it? I probably wouldn't care in, in, in today's kind of mindset. So you need to have it in your head because if you're going to purchase a, a Falcon and then change your mind later on, then you're going to have to recoup a lot of that money back mm-hmm. to rebuy another one because buying the ball by itself, you're looking at you know potentially the same price for Falcon again. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and using that the the Falcon as an example during uh, the last few years, uh, you know, probably two two years ago or so when the market was really on fire during the pandemic, I had a fully complete falcon with an original training ball and everything and the values were just so high with what people were you know able to get for these items i i i couldn't hold on to it i had i had to let it go and you know i did very well price wise compared to what i paid for it uh you know some years ago but if i was to add another falcon to my collection like you said if it's nice and clean on the outside, everything's intact. Do I really care what's, you know, if it's complete on the inside? No, not really. Not at this point. I just want something on display. But again, it comes back to, you know, asking yourself what you want with your collection. Yeah, I think I've given some awesome advice in there, Chris. I can't see many people disagreeing with this. But mm-hmm. I, w- I would certainly say if, you, if you're in doubt, you know, reach out. In worst case scenario, you'll mm-hmm. reach out to one of us. Yeah, I know, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, there are so many helpful people in the community. And I think 
I mean, I hear a lot of people say if, if you're in it for the right reasons, but that, that means different things to different people. And I don't think anyone really can be in the hobby for the wrong reasons unless they're generally trying to scam somebody mm, yes. or they are looking to make a fast book or something like that. But, you know, generally speaking, the hobby is a nice place to be in. Um, yes, there are some unfortunate incidents that happen and you won't expect that when you've got a community of, you know, a hundred thousand, potentially more <laughs> collectors in there. Um, but they're also, you know, there's some really special moments. We've, we've all made great friends that wouldn't mm-hmm. exist if we weren't collecting and we didn't, you know, tip toes in the water. These podcasts wouldn't exist. You know, it's, it's amazing how things happen, but I certainly, I certainly would reach out and perhaps grab a, a book, you know, like the Mark Below mm-hmm. War book, you know, something that's a yes. really, really easy light read or the Gus and, uh, Gus and Duncan's books that have, you know, been out for quite a while now and just just take your time but get in there absolutely you know this this hobby is great fun fulfilling just i would say start dipping your toes in and see what's out there and see what works for you and that's it from us this show then so hope our listeners enjoyed us and happy star wars podcasting day so thanks for listening to Collecting Tracks. If you want to be part of the action, stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit Fanthatracks.com or check out the free Fanthatracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at Fanthatracks.com. Comment, like and share on any of our social media feeds at Fanthatracks and be sure to subscribe, leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Semple for composing the Funker Tracks intro, Andy Lyle for our collecting tracks over music, and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Remember to tune in to Good Morning Tatooine, live Sunday evenings at 9pm UK time, 4pm Eastern and 1pm Pacific on Facebook and YouTube. Check out Fanthatracks Radio Friday evenings at 7pm UK time for new episodes of the Fanthat from Down Under, Planet Leia, Desert Planet Discs, Start Your Engines, Collecting Tracks and Cannon Fodder. And every Tuesday at 7pm UK time for your weekly episode of Making Tracks. Coming up next on Fanthatracks Radio, it's Making Tracks.